Welcome to Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each week we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. This week, dark matter acts differently at different scales, and scientists have struggled to explain why. Now two physicists have proposed that something super, as in superfluids, might hold the answer. The term dark matter was first used 80 years ago by the astronomer Fritz Zwicky. Astronomers knew that individual galaxies were amassed in clusters, and Zwicky realized that some unseen gravitational force must stop those individual galaxies from escaping the clusters. Later, fellow astronomers Vera Rubin and Kent Ford zeroed in on dark matter to explain why individual galaxies themselves don't fly apart. They proposed that vast halos of it surrounded the galaxies and held them together. Even though we use the term dark matter to describe these two situations, it's not clear that the same stuff is at work. The simplest and most popular explanation, the cold dark matter model, holds that dark matter is made of weakly interacting particles that move about slowly under the force of gravity. This would accurately describe the movements of large-scale structures like galaxy clusters, but it doesn't do a great job predicting the rotation curves of individual galaxies. Dark matter seems to act differently at this smaller scale. Tim Tate is a particle physicist at the University of California, Irvine. We know so little about the phase space of dark matter. You know, I mean, we know that it forms galaxies, and we know something about how those galaxies are, um, how they're shaped. But having said that, you know, we we make a big deal about the fact that cold dark matter doesn't do a great job describing galaxies, but at the same time, the simulations don't include the rest of the matter, and so we know they're not really supposed to describe it all that well. That's the mystery two physicists hope to solve with their proposal that dark matter changes phases at different scales. University of Pennsylvania physicist Justin Curie and his Princeton colleague Lasha Berigiani say in the cold, dense environment of the galactic halo, dark matter condenses into a superfluid. That's an exotic quantum state of matter that has zero viscosity or no resistance to flow. To put it in everyday terms, water has much more viscosity than toothpaste. Like a superfluid, it flows more easily. If dark matter forms a superfluid at the galactic scale, it could create a new force that would account for the observations that don't fit the cold dark matter model. But the special conditions required to form a superfluid state don't seem to exist beyond individual galaxies at the scale of galaxy clusters. There, Tate says dark matter behaves like conventional cold dark matter. It's a neat idea. You know, you get to basically have two different kinds of dark matter described by one thing because you're just basically playing with where it is on a phase diagram. And that neat idea may soon be testable. Other physicists have toyed with similar ideas, but Curie and Berigiani are nearing the point where they can make testable predictions about whether our galaxy is swimming in a superfluid sea. Superfluids aren't exactly commonplace here on Earth. For a collection of particles to become a superfluid, two things have to happen. First, the particles have to pack together at very high densities. Then they have to cool down to extremely low temperatures. If the particles get cold enough, their individual quantum natures start to merge. 
Their matter waves will spread out and overlap with one another, eventually coordinating themselves to behave as if they were one big superatom. They become coherent, much as the light particles in a laser beam all have the same energy and vibrate as one. Physicists have been putting particles in this exotic superfluid state since 1938. They can confine particles in an electromagnetic trap and then zap them with lasers to remove their kinetic energy, lowering their temperature to just above absolute zero. These days, even undergraduates create these so-called Bose-Einstein condensates in the lab, many of which can be considered superfluids. But don't expect to find superfluids someplace in your house or garden. They don't exist in the everyday world because it's just too warm for the necessary quantum effects to kick in. So physicist Tim Tate says until recently, science wouldn't give the idea much credit. Probably 10 years ago, people would have balked at the idea, just thought that this is impossible. And so I like the idea that when you explore crazy new directions, what you do is you figure out exactly where the boundary between what we know and what we don't know is. And often it's a complicated boundary with lots of you know interesting little details. And so from that point of view, this is really exciting. But more physicists have started accepting the possibility of superfluid phases forming naturally in the extreme conditions of space. Superfluids may exist inside neutron stars, and some researchers have speculated that space-time itself may be a superfluid. So why shouldn't dark matter have a superfluid phase, too? Inside galaxies, gravitational pull would squeeze dark matter enough to satisfy the density requirement for making a superfluid. The temperature requirement is easier. Space, after all, is naturally cold. Outside of galactic halos found around galaxies, the pull of gravity is weaker. Dark matter wouldn't be packed together tightly enough to go into its superfluid state. It would act as dark matter ordinarily does, explaining what astronomers see at larger scales. But if dark matter can morph into a superfluid at certain scales, that opens the door to a bunch of ideas. Researchers have looked at some of those over the years, but physicist Justin Corey's approach is unique because it shows how the superfluid could give rise to an extra force. Think about it this way. In physics, if you disturb a field, you'll often create a wave. For instance, shake some electrons in an antenna and you'll disturb an electric field and get radio waves. Wiggle the gravitational field with two colliding black holes, and you'll create gravitational waves. If you poke a superfluid, you'll produce phonons, sound waves, in the superfluid itself. These phonons then give rise to an extra force in addition to gravity. Corey says it's similar to the electrostatic force between charged particles. So it is like a modification to, Newton, to Newton's law because you have an additional force on top of gravity. Uh, but it really is intrinsically linked to dark matter. It's a property of the dark matter medium that gives rise to this force. The extra force would be enough to explain the puzzling behavior of dark matter inside galactic halos. Dark matter hunters have been at work for a long time. Their efforts have focused on a search for weakly interacting massive particles, or WIMPs. They're particularly suspect as dark matter because they would account for the majority of astrophysical observations. They also pop out naturally from hypothesized extensions of the standard model of particle physics. But no one has ever seen a WIMP. 
And those hypothesized extensions of the standard model haven't been proven either. With each new non-result, the prospects dim even more, which is why scientists are looking more at other dark matter candidates. The dark matter particles that would make Curry and Berigiani's idea work are definitely not WIMP-like. WIMPs should be pretty massive as fundamental particles go, about as massive as 100 protons. For Curry's scenario to work, the dark matter particle would have to be a billion times less massive. That means there should be billions of times as many of them zipping through the universe. You'd need that many to account for the observed effects of dark matter and to achieve the dense packing required for a superfluid to form. Add to that that ordinary WIMPs don't interact with one another. Dark matter superfluid would require strongly interacting particles. The closest candidate is the axion, a hypothetical ultralight particle with a mass that could be 10,000 trillion trillion times as small as the mass of the electron. Theoretical physicist Chanda Prescott-Weinstein of the University of Washington says axions could theoretically condense into something like a Bose-Einstein condensate. But the standard axion doesn't quite fit Curie and Berigiani's needs. In their model, particles would need to experience a strong, repulsive interaction with one another. Typical axion models have interactions that are both weak and attractive. But UC Irvine's Tim Tate says there's one thing most scientists probably agree on. I think everyone thinks that probably dark matter does interact with itself at some level. And the question is, you know, does this really just look like particle scattering? You know, is it weak? Is it strong? The next step for Curry and Berigiani is to figure out how to test their model. They need to find a telltale signature to distinguish this superfluid concept from ordinary cold dark matter. One possibility is dark matter vortices. In the lab, rotating superfluids create swirling vortices that keep going without ever losing energy. Superfluid dark matter halos in a galaxy should also rotate fast enough to produce arrays of vortices. If the vortices were massive enough, it would be possible to detect them directly. Unfortunately, that's not likely. Curie's most recent computer simulation suggests that vortices in the dark matter superfluid would be pretty flimsy. They probably won't provide researchers with clear-cut evidence that they exist. He says there might still be other ways to see them, though. Astronomers could also search for indirect evidence that dark matter behaves like a superfluid. They might be able to find it in galactic mergers. The rate at which galaxies collide with one another is influenced by something called dynamical friction. Imagine a massive body pushing through a sea of particles. Many of the small particles will get pulled along by the massive body. And since the total momentum of the system can't change, the massive body has to slow down a little bit to compensate. That's what happens when two galaxies start to merge. If they get close enough, their dark matter halos will start to pass through each other. The rearrangement of the independently moving particles will give rise to dynamical friction, pulling the halos even closer together. That helps galaxies merge. But if the dark matter halo is in a superfluid phase, the particles move in sync. There would be no friction pulling the galaxies together, so it would be more difficult for them to merge. This should leave behind telltale interference patterns in matter distributed in the galaxies. 
Stacy McGaw, an astronomer at Case Western University, is mostly positive about the idea of superfluid dark matter. But he worries that physicists might be creating what he calls a Tycho Brahe solution in trying to combine the best of both worlds. 16th century Danish astronomer Tycho Brahe invented a hybrid cosmology in which the Earth was at the center of the universe, but all the other planets orbited the sun. It attempted to split the difference between the ancient Ptolemaic system and the Copernican cosmology that would eventually replace it. McGaw says he worries these kinds of efforts are in that vein and that physicists are perhaps missing something more fundamental. But he still thinks these ideas are worth exploring. Physicist Tim Tate admires this new superfluid model intellectually, but he'd like to see the theory fleshed out more at the microscopic level. A theory where we can really sort of calculate everything and show why it all works out the way it's supposed to, instead of it some level what we're doing now is sort of invoking a few miracles and I don't know, maybe they're perfectly reasonable miracles and it's going to turn out that with more thought we're going to actually understand that perfectly, but I'm not there yet. One potential sticking point is that Corey and Berigiani's concept requires a very specific kind of particle that acts like a superfluid and just the right system. The kind of extra force produced in their model depends on the specific properties of the superfluid. Curry says he's on a quest to find an existing superfluid, one that can be made in the lab, that meets those criteria. I'm on the hunt for a cold atom system because if you could find such a system in nature, that would be amazing. You could start, you know, in principle, simulate the properties of galaxies using cold atoms, right? you would be mimicking how dark matter behaves in galaxies with cold atoms in the lab. So that would be very cool. But although researchers have been playing with superfluids for decades, particle physicists are only just beginning to adopt some of the ideas from subjects like condensed matter physics. Combining tools from those disciplines and applying them to gravitational physics might solve the long-standing dispute on dark matter. Who knows what other breakthroughs might await? This episode was produced by Jeanette Kazmerzak. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Jennifer Ouellette's full article, Dark Matter Recipe Calls for One-Part Superfluid, on our website, quantummagazine.org. Mm-hmm.